1: Welcome along to episode 627 of The Milk Bar. Jason Forrest here with you as ever. And coming up on this week's show, we'll be talking books, not only with William Stafford, who has Space Pickle available in hardback for the first time, but also having an atta with Paul Pennington about his release, which helps those who need to work on the communication side of things and get their message across, whether it be in interviews for broadcast or in the sales workspace too that's all coming up plus we'll have music we'll be hearing from serious child and andy ruddy's andy ruddy and we're having an answer with michael armstrong as well finding out what's going on with him plus we catch up with jeff brazier too as he talks about the joys of going on holiday and how some parents are prepared to earn less to be able to get out there and spend more time with the kids that's all on the show this week Often a book will work its way from hardback into paperback, but that's the other way around for Space Pickle. I think that kind of sums up the whole genre and, and concept as well. William Stafford joins me now to tell me more. Hello, sir. Good morning. How are we doing? I'm all right for a, for a Sunday. Sundays can be confusing, but so can space science fiction and all the weirdness that goes on in the world of literature. And, uh, and you're sort of a chief protagonist in that case. So tell us a bit, a bit about uh, how this book came to be, because it's been paperback and Kindle before, but now it's in a, a fine, glorious, shiny hardback edition.
2: Yes, and here it is, <laughs> hardback. Um, yeah i um I wrote space pickle um about three years ago mm-hmm. and I um just left it in an envelope and um and then I, I dug it out again and and thought no this 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 is better than I remember it so um i I tweaked it and uh, got it into shape and um sent it away and uh it appeared on um Kindle uh like like all of my books are on on kindle mm-hmm. and um and then I was offered the chance to do a a print on demand paperback. And, um, what I like about print on demand is they're not printing thousands and thousands, which if they don't sell, then end up, you know, in the recycling bin. Mm -hmm. Um, they, they're only printed for the people who, who actually want one. And, um, so, um, that came out, um, at the beginning of the year and, um, it did pretty well. And, uh, then I got a message saying, well, do you want to do a print-on-demand hardback as well? And uh, I, I jumped at it, and um, it, it's a beautiful thing. I'll, I'll just show it again. It, it's, <laughs> it, it's absolutely gorgeous. I'm really proud of it. Never mind the words inside it, just, uh, just as an object and something to own. It, it would enhance any bookshelf.
1: That's the way to do it, we like that idea. But uh, give us the, the background on your writing, because I, I know you from your reviewing times. Uh, remember when we used to have theatre?
2: Oh, yeah, I remember theatre, you know, <laughs> happy days. Um, it's just coming back now. I, I've reviewed two shows, you know. I've been doing <laughs> two a week. I've done two this year, so um, it, it is coming back and look forward to seeing you again at the Grand. Mm-hmm. Um, yeah, I... Um, well, I've, I've always been a writer, you know, all, all my life, and... Um, I went through a period where I was between jobs, uh, as they say, and I, I decided to concentrate on on my writing. And uh, my first book um, came out, and that was seven years ago now, something like that. Mm-hmm. And um, I sort of got in contact with a with a ebook publisher, and um, they put out 27 of my books, <laughs> um, so. <laughs> Um, they, I've now got 31 out um, and the most recent ones are available in other formats but um, yeah I, I do most of my writing on my way to to work I have a long commute to Stratford-upon-Avon every day so that gives me plenty of time to sit on the train in the morning and, and scribble in my uh, my hard uh, hardback notebook and uh, yeah and out it all comes. So,
1: So, so th- 27 books, one in
2: hardback, the rest of them, say, various formats, but... Oh, but, uh, the what, point of order, Mr Chairman, 31 books. 30, 30, um, <laughs> 31? Right, okay. Yeah, four of them are in paperback, and one yeah. of them is in um, hardback now. So, all science fiction or all different genres? <laughs> or, what all are all different genres. I mean, that the, the, the common thing is they're all humorous. Um, I'm not exactly like parody, parody. I can't even say it because I'm not doing it. I'm not parody, making parodies of them, um, <laughs> but they are uh, sort of light-hearted, humorous um, things. I've got ten books in my crime series, um, mm-hmm. which is about a pair of detectives called Bruff and Miller, and they operate in a version of my hometown. My hometown is Dudley, but very cleverly, I change the U to an E, so they work in Deadly. <laughs> because of all the murders going on. So um, people can recognise landmarks and, and streets and things um, from the real Dudley in, in the fictitious Deadly.
1: <laughs> so I've, the- I've got my Kindle to hand, though. So
2: how am, I, uh, how am I finding you? What do we do on here? Well, if you just search for me, put, William- don't, don't, don't type me, type William Stafford. <laughs>
1: with the publishing, I mean, obviously a lot of people self-publish these days, but obviously you've got a partner who is actually pushing your work out there. And I think that really makes a difference to get it to a good wide audience, doesn't it?
2: Well, yeah, I mean, it's half and half. Well, it's it's not half and half. It's 27 are with this um, publisher, and four of them are ones that I've independently published um, because I have the, the flexibility of the different editions. mm mm-hmm. um, And, you know, in the future, some more will come out with this publisher and some more will come out on what I've done. So, um, yeah, it's the flexibility and and deciding when exactly you want to put something out.
1: Well, I'm finding 27 entries straight away on my Kindle, so I should be downloading some of that in a short while's time. Right. Uh, but w- when it comes down to something like Space Pickle, I mean, it's now it's out there in, in this form. I mean, it, it can be a coffee table. You can leave it lying around and people can be impressed by it, can't they? And, uh, as you say, there's the shiny cover's working well, particularly with the giant pickle on the front.
2: Well, yeah, I mean, um, there isn't a pickle in the book. I mean, that's a spoiler. It's a metaphorical <laughs> pickle. Um, I could have called it Space Trouble or Space Kerfuffle, but you try to find a picture of a kerfuffle, you know, a space, a space pickle... know it lends itself very well so that's how the title came about (laughs) and um you know the story originated um from just watching star trek all all my life and loving it and um i thought I, i want to write something um in that kind of vein but i didn't want it to be star trek so um my my ship um is not one of these exploration ships it's nothing there's nothing militaristic about it at all um it's a cruise liner mm-hmm. it's a bit like the love boat remember that old series um, oh yeah yes i think we're both showing our age now yeah uh, my grand told me about it yeah, and, okay. um uh, so it's like the love boat in space <laughs> um but there's all sort of elements that have influenced me from horror films there's a bit of alien in there there's a bit of um, star wars in there you know there's a bit of everything that i've watched that i've distilled into this story um and uh you know my my captain i've got one up upon Star Trek they they've had female captains they've had um black captains they've had also alien captains they haven't had a gay one i've got a gay captain in my uh, ship so I've, I've beat them to the punch there. There
1: we go. It's nice to see everybody represented in these things. Exactly the way it should be. That's what it'd be like in space. So we searched you on Kindle. Uh, How else can we get hold of you?
2: Well, I'm on social media. I've got a page on uh, Facebook people can can like. Um, I've got a blog where I publish uh, short stories that are available for free. Um, I try and put at least one a week up there. Um, And that's, um, if you just search William Stafford Novelist, it will come up. It's a WordPress site. It's quite easy to access. But I'd put links on my Facebook page and on my Twitter at William Stafford. Um, so if you want to read my stuff for free, you know, try before you buy. Mm-hmm. You're very welcome to do that. Well, check it all out there and uh, enjoy
1: everything from every genre, most backgrounds and uh, there's 30-odd books out there. Uh, quite clearly, The Commute is a useful way of spending your time.
2: I would go insane otherwise. <laughs> so many times you can watch the hedgerows of Warwickshire go past. So
1: As beautiful as they are, yep, yeah, they need words and pictures to go with them, which is all
2: flowing from your mind. But, well, William Stafford, thank you for joining us. My pleasure, Jason. Hope to see you in the flesh soon. Turn the Music Down
1: has just been released by Sirius Child and Andrew Ruddy. Mr. Ruddy is now on the line. Hello, sir.
3: Hi, Jason. Thank you for having me. Well, good to talk to you. How's it all going? Yeah, very good, thanks. The reaction to the single's been, been really nice. It came out on Friday there.
1: Well, it's, it's not a shock, though, because I've heard it, and it's good. So that's a good start. But uh, give us the background to the the serious child and your good self.
3: Well, uh, serious child, a.k.a. Alan, I call him Alan, um, not serious. He <laughs> um, he met me at a gig years ago, and uh, we met at another couple of gigs over the... The next five years and one who of was stalking died. who here uh well initially alan was stalking me but right. uh, eventually he um he booked me for a gig and by this time alan was releasing his own music so we got chatting mm. at that gig we did a really cool co-write in 2019 and then when the pandemic happened we basically wrote all our songs like this on zoom <laughs> um, so we had all that time and we we ended up writing well over an album's worth of stuff so that's what you hear on the forthcoming album, yeah, because that's not out till the, later in the year, isn't it? That's correct. Yeah, we're, we're um, launching the album in early September.
1: So that's something again to look forward to. But this sort of flavour of what's going on, uh, and turn the music down unusual message, you might think—but uh, there's uh, a, a lot of uh, different people represented in the video, and uh, a, a lot of who will identify with the song. I think.
3: Yeah, I think so. I mean, we we went for a, a an angle with the video where we were trying to I guess, sing in a tongue-in-cheek way on behalf of artistic people, any artistic person that's ever been told by a friend or a relative, like, come on, mate, isn't it about time? Isn't it about time you got yourself a real job? Um, and, uh, yeah, we sort of... The, the song is a, a light-hearted uh, hit back at that, shall we say. <laughs>
1: <laughs> but, I mean, it, it is good fun. And the uh, Beard's well representative in the tra- in, in the track. I think that works.
3: Well, you know, I'm really doing my best. Mine is a bit of a trainee beard, to be honest, Jason. Alan is my idol when it comes to facial hair. That is um, proper
1: facial hair, isn't it? I mean, he, yeah. he really has got that down absolutely spot on.
3: He smashed it. And I do feel a bit inferior every time I see him, to be honest. I, I grew that beard for about three weeks um, uh, for the video shoot. Oh, nowhere, yeah. near, near, nowhere near good enough.
1: So, but by three weeks of me not shaving, and I'm a good three or four days in at the minute. I haven't got around to having a to shave today. Uh, but uh, yeah, that, it's absolute hell. It itches like mad things. So, I mean, there's a price to pay for having a beard. So, these hipsters, they really, you know, they're, they're, they're suffering for their art. <laughs> yes,
3: absolutely. I could talk to you about facial hair. Never mind the song.
1: Okay, well, yeah, let's 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 drop the tips okay. there because um, beard waxes is probably another thing that we don't want to think too much about. But <laughs> uh, so uh, when it comes to the album, is is this all going to have the same filter? Because uh, it, it, there's there's a bit of you know, Simon Garfunkel in there. There's uh, so many different bits you can hear that yeah, uh, you know, there's, there's yeah, influences all over. I'm going to guess.
3: Well, me and Alan are, uh, we, you wouldn't naturally put me and Alan together as a as a, a duo, and we're not a duo, we're two separate artists who have done a, a collaboration album, and I think what we've, we've tried to turn what some pe- people might perceive as a weakness in our contrasting styles, we've tried to turn that into a strength, and we're both really proud of this album because it's an absolute box of tricks in terms of style and genre, but at the same time it kind of shows that it can work as a whole. Um, you know, Alan's 25 years older than me, and like you see... You say, remind him of that regularly, I take it. <laughs> I, I I probably shouldn't keep saying that in interviews. He'll probably kill me the next time he sees me. But, um, you Is
1: know... But he, he's that old, he'll be that slow, he won't be. No, he's not. He's still young, really.
3: <laughs> no, honestly, I want to be like Alan when I grow up. His mind's just... <laughs> don't grow up. Please don't grow up. Exactly. It works at 100 miles an hour. He's one of the most creative people I've ever met. And um, we're really proud of the fact that, you know, there isn't maybe naturally a reason why we would make an album together, but you can and you can make a really good album with someone of a different generation. And we just found that really interesting. That's kind of why the album's called talk about the weather, because that, that is what people will, we had a song called talk about the weather, but people will talk about the weather as a sort of starting point of a conversation, if that makes sense.
1: Yeah. Even if you don't feel you've got anything else in common, the fact is raining on you
3: is the same for everybody. <laughs> Absolutely. Yeah. <laughs> so do you call because... me you like your musical dad? Is that how it works? Um, I'd like to think I'm his musical dad, to be honest. Yeah. Um, I'm just <laughs> No, I mean, Alan, I have actually learned a lot from Alan, and even in, in terms of um, songwriting as well, yeah, he sort of introduced me to a few different um, songwriting techniques. Um, we wrote this, the, the album on Zoom. That was something that I'd never done before, and maybe he had, so he showed me a few different ways of, like we, we wrote all the lyrics on Google Docs, and, and he was just firing ideas all the time, and it almost he got so many ideas out there that it almost became like a jigsaw puzzle strangely mm-hmm. um so uh yeah i've learnt a lot from alan actually um and we've become good pals as well so yeah it's been great
1: and and you but obviously you had met in real life beforehand so
3: yeah yeah a few times yeah but that, that helped <laughs> yeah yeah but there are people i've written over the pandemic with that i've never actually met in real life and we've written a bunch of songs so, so
1: it, it's a, a strange way of working, but one that it, it sort of works alongside the fact that most of your releases are digital these days anyway. Uh, yes, yes, there'll be gigs and they're fully analogue with real people in a room when it can happen fully and you can relax and chill and do it all again properly. But uh, it, it is sort of a, a very digital world and you, you kind of grasped that with both hands.
3: Well, it was a bit of a life raft, to be honest, in the in the worst of 2020, Mm -hmm. Um, you know, we, we found routine in writing songs on a Thursday. We both happened to be free on Thursdays and we managed to write a bunch of songs and it was, it was quite a, quite a helpful outlet, to be honest with you.
1: So uh, Uh, we know the album's on the way. What else happens next? What's, what is going on?
3: Well, we've got a, um, we've got a tour, um, a sort of 12 date tour in, in September, early September to launch the album. So we're going to be practicing like mad um, to try and get ourselves match fit for actual gigs. Mm -hmm. And uh, we've also got another single to to launch the album with, um, which will probably be coming late August, early September as well.
1: Well, we'll look forward to hearing that. Meanwhile, we're going to take a listen to uh, turn the music down. But uh, with the the way this is working, I'm just hoping that you don't try and do gigs via Zoom and have one of you turn up and the other one not. That would be bad. But... (laughs) You're tempted, aren't you? Are you looking at you? You're tempted.
3: Well, we, we've we done the odd live stream. To yeah, be honest,
1: that's, with you. that's quite interesting quite, over Zoom.
3: Yeah, that was quite fun. Yeah.
1: <laughs> so lots going on. So we need all the details, all the socials, etc. Uh, so uh, and, and maybe even you know, a Zoom meeting link if you want to get it together everyone on there.
3: <laughs> well, you can find us both on our, our social media. So if you search for Serious Child, he's been sharing our stuff. If you search for Andy Ruddy, R-U-D-D-Y is me. Um, and you can find us on social media And uh, all the links are, are on there
1: And uh, you, you haven't got a combined uh, Page,
3: yeah you, you, You're building up to that um, Yeah, we haven't quite bro- crossed that bridge um,
1: like we'll, we'll, we'll see It'll come by the album <laughs> you know yeah, release I'm, yeah. I'm sure it'll happen then Andy, good to speak to you, thank you for joining us And we're loving the music Thanks very much Jason Isn't it about time you got yourself a real job
4: Isn't it about time started to grow up Isn't it about time You turn the music down Isn't it about time Time to stop messing around Isn't it about time You saved your soul for the weekend Isn't it about time You tied up your loose sands Isn't it about time You gave up the pretense Isn't it about time You showed some common sense About time started to grow.
1: Quarters of parents are looking at reducing their work to spend more time with their kids. To tell us more about this survey, I'm joined now by Jeff Brazier. Good afternoon. Hey, how are you? I'm good. I hope we find you well and your world a good one.
5: Yeah, no, everything's good at the minute. Uh, the football season's finished, so I've got a little bit more time to do other things. And um, yeah, no, everything's good in the world.
1: Yeah, because I suppose it's almost like a summer holiday for you. And when the kids' summer holidays do come along, uh, you get chance to, to spend a little longer with them than you would normally when you're rushing about.
5: We did that. Summer holidays was always the time when you had to um, restrict your work to make sure you had the balance between um, doing, you know, some great stuff with the kids, or at least you know taking them to, to the great things that they want to do with other people. Um, and and obviously still bringing in an income. Uh, but that's all changed now, really, hasn't it? Because mm-hmm. Parents have been working from home for the last 18 months, a lot of them, and um, there's still no sign maybe of some of them going back to the office. So, uh, but I can see, I can see you're in one. So what's it like for you?
1: Well, I've been working the whole time, don't have kids though, so I haven't had that issue, but I do enjoy my holidays, and it's actually PGL who have put this survey together, and they're telling us that the average working parent would be happy losing 12% of their salary to allow them to spend more time with the kids.
5: So, yeah, I mean, firstly, in case people don't know, but PGL is what kids used to say is called parents get lost. Um, (laughs) It's actually not that abbreviation, but it was basically an outdoor activity centre that, that you'd go to with your school. But the point is that they're, they're now opened in the summer holidays to families. So um, they've done some great research and, and yeah, absolutely. Firstly, um, the last... 18 months and experience of lockdowns have made parents realise that they would like to spend more time with their kids because they've obviously enjoyed it. They can see the importance of it. They can see how their kids have grown and developed for having mum and dad or you know or, or or guardian around far more than they potentially would have otherwise. And the the effect that that's had now is that as we move forwards into this new normal or whatever it is. Um, I guess, you know, there's a lot of people out there that would like to speak to their employer and just say, look, you know, I'd like to work from home a couple of days a week. You know, I can do the job, um, but actually it benefits my family to do that. Whilst I also maintain that there's probably a lot of people that would like to have that balance of having some time in the office as well, because it just keeps a a nice balance for them and that, that has to be okay. Yeah,
1: I mean, there's been more than a third extra time with the kids during the, the lockdown period and working from home. And this is good for them because particular time when it it's difficult for them not seeing their friends, having some parent time where they get to have a chat and really be a family time, there's something they so often miss out on. So this has been great for them. And the idea of spending some time away to the sort of adventure center that will have uh, is gonna be another great way of spending time over the summer.
5: It's definitely an incredible idea for parents. Again, people wouldn't have necessarily looked into that in particular just because it was never available for families. Uh, But now it is, there's 10 centres around the UK that offer loads of activities. And the beauty of it is, is that you'd go there, you've already paid. So you don't have to keep paying for for every next activity that you do. It's literally all done in one price. Um, I just, I always want to advocate for parents spending good quality time with their kids, making memories um, and doing things together because I know how much it benefits children. I just know that they're the memories um, that they'll take with them, you know, when they're an adult sitting in a coffee shop, they'll be telling their friends about, oh yeah, I remember the time that I did, I raced my dad to the top of the climbing wall. It's never, it doesn't have to be the most expensive memory. It doesn't have to be the most elaborate thing. It doesn't have to be because it was in Barbados or some something that's unachievable for some people. I think it's mm-hmm. unachievable for all of us right now. Uh, but you know, to create memories and to be able to do it at a price point that obviously benefits all of us um, is a no-brainer, really.
1: Yeah, and with so many people looking at staying in the UK, the staycation, then you know, this is uh, an extra option that, as you said, they've never been able to consider before, and this is give them a, a great opportunity to try something for the first time.
5: I've been to outward bound centres um, when I was younger, and but just you you enjoyed... were the ones
1: who were selected. I was never chosen for the outward bound centre, but you were, weren't you? They they, they took you from your school. Do
5: right, you know what? It, it was never. Uh... I don't think it was about being selected. And actually, I, I never went through the school. But do you know what? The last time I went was when I auditioned for Shipwrecked in two thousand. Mm-hmm. It was um, it was like the the last the the last hundred and fifty people that had been selected. We all went off somewhere and somewhere like a PGL. And um, what I loved about it the most was the 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 bits where they basically said, "Right, you've got to get from this side to the other," and or got to build a raft or something like that. And then what they do is they step back and they see what role everybody plays. And imagine that for a family where you've got like parents and kids, they have to build something, they have to create a solution to a problem and they get to do it as a team. I just, I just think it's so like amazing that that, the parents and, and kids would be able to share in that experience. And I personally, all through my time as as being a dad of these two boys, is that I've never really known that I could take them to places like that. Like, I feel a little bit gutted, if you like, that I, I haven't done it with them more. But because of this association, I've obviously been to a PGL recently in Minehead and could see that that's exactly the sort of stuff that you would get up to. And I, you know, I can't wait to take them, even though they're sixteen and eighteen. They're like, you know, they yeah, we'd love to. Can we bring some friends and? Next thing, you know, we'll we'll have a big group. We'll have a laugh. We'll sort of we'll all realise that I'm better than them still at climbing and <laughs> running and stuff like that. Uh, and, and you know, it's it'll be all good.
1: Yeah, your raft building skills. We'll have to see how that works out. We'll look forward to that on social media, Jeff. Oh, yeah. That could be interesting. <laughs> where do we go for more information yeah. about these PGL breaks?
5: Yeah, look if, if uh, families are interested in, in what we've been talking about, and they want to just see maybe how much it costs and where they all are, then just go to pgl.co.uk. But I, I, I really recommend it. Having been to one of their sites, knowing how much they care about the experience of the people that go there and the fact that there's so many staff and uh, you know they're there to obviously keep you safe and make sure that you have a great time i just i just know that people will, will really thank us for having this conversation
1: absolutely and it sounds like it's gonna be brilliant fun for the whole family jeff brazier thank you yeah. for joining us jace thank you so much <laughs> That moment is finally here, the release of A High by Michael Armstrong. And he's with me now to let me know how it's been with the release of the album. Hello, sir. Hello,
6: Jason. How are you doing?
1: I'm good, and I hope we're finding you fully excited by having uh, this latest release out there. Yeah, it's been a, been
6: a long time coming. Um, always a long build-up and a, and a lead-in to these kind of things, and a couple of singles preceding it. So, yeah, I've had some really good feedback from people who, who bought it and it arrived on their doorstep on the 25th, and... Um, they've been uh, saying how much they enjoyed it so you know that's that's all you can ask for really
1: so your album work and the singles as well but you I mean the albums are always well worth a listen all the way through and you don't get back with all artists so uh, that's that, that's uh, quite an achievement in itself and having experienced uh, the singles so far I've uh, loved everything we've heard as we've gone along and it, it must be, be great seeing this out there and it is that again the excitement of having a physical CD these days isn't it that can make the difference
6: Oh it is for me yeah I mean
1: I know a lot of people
6: stream or, or, or download but I'm still I'm still the guy who orders physical CDs. Do you know, it's weird because my car hasn't got a CD player anymore. I got a new car a couple of years ago and that was really frustrating, but I still buy CDs and I listen to them at home on on the CD player and and then I kind of put, and then I normally download them onto like a memory stick so I can have them in the car. So I, I kind of end up doing both. But uh, yeah, for me, that I, I need that. I need to be holding that that booklet and reading the words if they're in there, and finding out who played on the album and. And looking at the artwork, I, I love the whole experience. I'm old but, fashioned like
1: that. but it, it is about having the source material. And I think, you know, it's it, I, I like the backup idea because when, when I used to uh, yeah, buy stuff on on LP on vinyl when I was young, rather than now when I just think I'm trendy, uh, it <laughs> was uh, yeah, all about having the physical thing. The first thing I did with it, I copied it onto cassette to use in the car or onto mini disc <laughs> to use in the car. So you know, it, it was uh, it, uh, this. This is the same feel, isn't it? Really?
6: Yeah, that's it's that's funny you say that. I haven't I hadn't thought it that but you're, of course you're right yeah we've been doing that forever it's just that the formats have changed i guess but uh yeah i mean vinyl for artwork and for presentation was was the ultimate wasn't it and as you as you as you say it's, it's come full circle and now selling like hotcakes. so uh yeah, I'd, I guess these things just everything goes around in a circle, and it all comes back in the end. And like you say, now you're trendy. Who'd have ever thought that, Jason?
1: Well, I know it's shocking, isn't it? But there we go. This <laughs> can happen. So I mean, with the release of this album, I, I mean, you're finding that only. The people who've known your music for a while now, but also a new audience too, and uh, I'm living the way you've been marketing it and and really getting the the word out there. And it's about having fun with the music, isn't it? Yeah, I think so. That's what
6: music should be about. I mean, obviously, there's a serious there's a serious side to it, but essentially, getting out there and playing music from the start has always been about having fun, and certainly rock and roll was. Um, Yeah, so you know that we should we should never lose that, and particularly. After the what we've all had, I don't want to go on about it, but the, the, the whole COVID and lockdown thing, I, did, I didn't particularly didn't want to make an album that was doom and gloom. Very few of I, my records aren't really anyway. I, I kind of like bright, shiny, upbeat music, you know, um, kind of stuff you can listen to with a, if you're lucky enough lucky enough to have a convertible car and be driving <laughs> along in the sunshine, you know. Uh, neither of which I am, but. Uh, you know that's that that's the kind of music i i like to hear so yes yeah, so hopefully it's fun hope so and, and 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 certainly has reached a different a bit a wider audience this time i've had the singles have had a really incredible reaction and and been playlisted on various stations which which weren't playing my stuff before uh, not just here but across the across the world so um yeah it's uh it's been a real i often say that it takes three albums to uh <laughs> break through i know that happened to ELO from 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 your from your neck of the woods, mm-hmm. um, they all, their first two albums didn't do anything, but those are the days when record companies stuck with the bands. Nowadays, if you don't sell, if your first album doesn't sell, you're dropped. But uh, <laughs> You know, I'm, I'm
1: self-releasing,
6: so I'm OK. I, I haven't dropped myself just yet.
1: <laughs> oh, well, the family may have suggested, but you've hung on in there, which is what counts. But uh, I mean, give us the story of the album, how the tracks come together, because uh, how many how many are we looking at on here?
6: There's 12 tracks on the album. Um, the majority of them were written in Ojai, California, which is why the album is titled Ojai, which is spelled O-J-A-I. And I've had lots of fun with that name. I can assure you. Um, yeah, so uh, Ohio, beautiful place in California. I went there in 2018 while I was actually still recording the previous album. funnily enough, and I, I was there with an the American singer songwriter called Ben Folds, and um, and a bunch of other American songwriters. And we You're just the spent the those- name
1: up for you because so you have just dropped that really well there. Well, Ben Folds, yeah. uh, do you know, do you know the,
6: he's not so well known over here, I don't think. I mean, he's he's an oh, incredible. Artist. It,
1: it, he fell out with the other four, didn't he? So that was that didn't help. <laughs> well, it was the Ben Folds Five
6: of his band. They were a trio actually, yeah. which it's immediately shows you what his what his humour was like. Yeah, um, but yeah, so Ben Folds Five was the nineties, and uh, he did reconvene with them a few years ago and did an mm-hmm. album as well. But I've been a big fan of Ben's forever. And so, to get the chance to go and meet him, let alone kind of play music with him, was 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 what I couldn't turn down. And we just had this fantastic week in in California writing music, and I say a whole bunch of those songs made it onto the album. There are some other songs on there. There's a song on the album called "Ordinary Woman," which I wrote when I was 16, probably. I think. Couple of years ago. Yeah, yeah, just a couple of
2: years ago. Yeah.
6: So um, yeah, that's that's. That's probably the oldest song of mine that I've ever recorded. Um, I just needed I needed a I needed a kind of ballad slow song, I felt, to balance the album. And um, I listened to kind of because I've always got stacks of songs and I listened to what I had and that one just stuck out. And I thought, well, that's a, it's a wonderfully innocent song, as it would be if you're that if you're that age. Um, and uh, it just worked really well. So I'm proud of that one.
1: So we're going to take a listen to one of the tracks from the album now. You get to choose. What should we listen to?
6: Oh, goodness, you've got me there. I guess the current single is a song called
1: Each Other's Eyes.
6: So let's have a listen to that.
1: Okay, okay, we'll do that. Meanwhile, though, give us all the details on where we can find you at the album and everything to do with it.
6: Uh, best place is the website, which is michaelarmstrongmusic.co.uk, and that will link you to all the various Places where you can buy the album, physical CD, you can buy from that website or from Amazon, and you can download it from all the usual places.
1: Michael, always good to speak to you. Thank you for joining us, and we're going to enjoy this track. I know it, and uh, there'll be many, many people coming to your music for the first time, and are going to absolutely adore what you've done. Thanks for joining us, and I'll see you soon. Hopefully in real life, maybe even a gig to plug the album.
6: Oh, that would be fun. Thanks, Jason. Cheers. I hope so.
0: I down too. Your tears blur my reflection and make me more sad than you. You and I in each other's eyes.
1: Not only noted broadcaster but Paul Pennington has his name on a book too. He joins me now to tell me more about his
7: latest work. Hello, sir. Hello, good morning, Jason how we doing doing very well thank you this morning the uh, sun is doing its best to try and peep through the clouds so we're hoping for a good day
1: fingers crossed every day is a good day though when you're thinking about improving everybody else's health and that's what you do through our word on health reports every time we hear from you but there's also a chance to read some of your work too explain a bit more what's going on here
7: yeah, I've been a media trainer alongside Broadcaster uh, for about 25 years now. And one of the things that I do with Word on Health every week is I get to interview charity bosses, patient organizations, et cetera. And I spend about four and a half hours uh, polishing up interviews that I've done. And uh, what the highlights is, is it's a great deficiency out there amongst charities, amongst many organizations Uh, when it comes down to basic communication skills and in terms of meeting the media publicity is the lifeblood of charity and you know there's all those old cliches you never get a second chance to make a first impression and Mm -hmm. many broadcasters unlike you and me uh, would take the time to polish up an interview and make somebody sound as favorable as as we do on word and health and we do on on wilverhampton community radio Again, it's about investment of time, and and really what people should be doing is taking that time ahead of the interview to prepare properly, to ensure that they've got their right key messages, that they can conduct themselves with confidence, in control, and with credibility. And and that takes training. So um, some years ago, I wrote the first edition of what's been called the five-minute guide to meeting the media. Mm -hmm. Uh, there's lots of rules and regulations, but we didn't want to bombard people. We wanted to come up with something that was easy to digest, full of practical advice and step-by-step instructions to help people become better communicators.
1: Yeah, because it it, it is about getting that message across. And sometimes the the important message may be lost in the words that you're using. And that can happen to so many organisations, even those who you would expect to have been media trained. So it is important to, to make sure you have that sort of skill set there. It makes everybody's life easier. And it means that more of your interview is going to make it to air because if somebody's got to spend a lot of time fixing it, they may well lose
7: the important points in the edit. They might. You're absolutely right. And of course, let's not forget we do this week in, day in, day out. Mm-hmm. Uh, it, it's our lifeblood broadcasting. Many spokespeople that come to the microphone are very anxious, they're very concerned. Uh, and it's a case of managing the anxiety. And, and preparation is key. There is that uh, old expression, fail to prepare, prepare to fail. And it's absolutely true. It's amazing how many people come into a studio with copious amounts of notes. They're flustered. They haven't taken time to prepare. They've not thought about what it is that they're saying beforehand. And immediately they put themselves into a bad position from the get-go and sometimes you know people willingly put themselves forward to talk about something that they don't really have all the facts and figures about they don't feel completely comfortable but because nobody else will do it then then yeah go on i'll give it a go that that's an unfortunate way of being able to approach the media because especially when you've got the lights the cameras on you the microphone open uh, you know, you are naked as such, and therefore it's a, it's a great truth finder uh, being in the media. And, and this, these are not just skills that you can learn in order to interview fine people like yourself or be interviewed by fine people like yourself, Jason, but it's also we found transferable skills that helps with sales, that helps with internal communications. I've been using these principles of media training now all over the world to assist people sell things like uh, corporate jets um, <laughs> sell more financial packages etc because what it does is, is it makes you conscious of your communication skills when you're under pressure. and if you're selling a64 million dollar uh, private jet to a high net worth individual who's got five minutes worth of time to consider what it is you've got to say, the heat is on. you know you might turn up with your 143 PowerPoint slide deck but the ultra high net worth individual uh, has got about a minute's worth of consideration for that. So you'll get through the first slide, you'll get through the second, the rest, you might as well have forgotten. So we can apply what we learn in media training to enable us to be better communications and communication skills are not taught uh, as standard. People aren't aware of the importance of active listening of emotional intelligence. about. Keeping your messages simple. Like one of the key things that I say in my book, The Five-Minute Guide to Meeting the Media, is seal everything with a kiss. Keep it simple. <laughs> it's, it's, it's as simple as that. Because, again, you know, people don't like to be sold to. Uh, we're all sophisticated consumers. And when you've said what you've got to say, as I'm going to take my own advice now, shut up. <laughs>
1: Absolutely. Does the job, works, and it gets your message across and it keeps it in fresh in the forefront of somebody's mind, particularly if they're being bombarded by a number of different things you know, during the day. Actually, you want your message to be the one that stands out. And for people out there as well, I mean, we're now in a digital age and whereby radio used to be a case of sit down and, and read from notes, potentially, because no one could see you. And the same if you're doing a newspaper interview. It's, it's different. Everything is digital. So many people are on Zoom having conversations just as we are now. I can see yeah, the colour of your eyes as we sit here and uh, we, we have that chat. And it is, is being ready for that situation as well because that could you know, catch you out uh, compared to maybe just the message that you have to say and you could detract from it by not being prepared. Where do we go to get prepared? How do we get hold of this book?
7: Well, if you get yourself to the wordonhealth.com website, that's www.wordonhealth.com. You can (laughs) tell I've said that a few times before. Um, On our homepage, you'll be able to connect through to buy the book, which is only available uh, via via our website. And alongside that, what I'm doing is I'm donating my time to do media training and uh, executive coaching. So you get the opportunity to work with me on your messaging Uh, on all the aspects of your personal communication because we're all wonderfully different in our lives and and what works for one person will work differently for another. So I I don't do a catch-all approach. The book in itself gives you the basic principles and then what we do with the crowdfunding campaign that we've got going is to give people the opportunity to practice those skills on camera on microphone and it's interesting what you say about zoom there what i've added to this book which wasn't around when i first wrote it 10 years ago was this whole thing of Uh, talking on Zoom and using Zoom as a communication tool. So I've I've added that and tips and pointers of how to get the best out of Zoom calls such as yourself, such as this, uh, in order to achieve the objective.
1: Well, Paul, always good to speak to you. Thank you for joining us and keep going out there and making a difference so everybody's broadcast interviews are easier to edit. Thank you very much. for this week thank you so much for joining me back with episode 628 next week and i'll see you then so now. goodbye from the mail bar
0: goodbye from the mail bar 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 yeah.